Welcome to the Counselors of Real Estate's Top 10 and 10 podcast series. In these 10-minute episodes, we'll discuss one of the prevailing 2023-24 Top 10 issues affecting real estate. I'm your host, Jonathan Shine, CRE, and CEO and founder of the Real Estate Limited Partner Institute, better known as RELPI, in New York. Counselors of Real Estate are, a trusted, are trusted advisors finding solutions to complex real estate challenges, experienced innovative, and credentialed problem solvers, counselors reside in 22 countries, practice in many more, and offer expertise in 60 real estate disciplines across all asset classes. Each has earned the prestigious CRE designation. Our guest for this episode is Paula Munger, CRE, Vice President of Research of the National Apartment Association in Arlington, Virginia. Paula leads the group's research teams across multiple sectors and geographical regions, developing indispensable data resources and thought leadership commentary for property operations and NAA stakeholders. Paula was the subject matter expert for the number three issue on this year's compilation of the counselor's top 10, top 10 issues affecting real estate. There is no place, there's no place like home, the global housing shortage. To review all the issues of this year's report, visit cre.org top 10. Welcome, Paula. Hi, Jonathan. Nice to be here. Thank you. Nice to see you. So the overwhelming global housing shortage is a result, a large part, from decades of underbuilding. The U.S. particularly has a lot of catching up to do to address the shortage and bridge the gap that exists between supply and demand. Your group, the National, the National Apartment Association, along with the National Multifamily Housing Council, estimates that the U.S. needs to build 4.3 million more apartments by 2035 to meet the demand for rental housing. How will this be accomplished? Well, with a lot of patience and perseverance. Um, but seriously, I, I think we just need a commitment by all the stakeholders at a few levels. One, um, just recognizing there's a housing shortage. And I think we've come a long way in that. We're actually seeing it become part of part of, part of the national federal discussion. Um, in, 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 and that's something we haven't seen a lot. So this current administration is actually talking a lot about housing. Two, we need the stakeholders to understand that the shortage of housing is at the crux of affordability issues. So it's a really a simple, a simple supply and demand at play. When you don't have enough supply and you have increasing demand, um, of course, you're going to, this is why we have high, both high rental and home prices right now. And three, um, just to be able to lessen the barriers to development, that could be anything from fewer regulations and red tape, um, to revising antiquated zoning rules, things like suspending parking requirements also help, as well as eliminating fees. Um, so NEA actually did a report that was called the, the Apartment Construction Supply Index, the Barriers to Apartment Construction Supply. And we ranked 50 markets across the U.S. by how hard it is to build there, to build specifically apartments. And not only did we look at obvious things like costs, so labor, land, materials. But we looked at things that like, what are the density and growth requirements in this particular market? Um, what's the community opposition like? What's the timeline? Um, what's the political complexity and the overall complexity of the entitlement process? And we came out with these, um, these rankings. And the interesting thing was the survey was administered to both the public and private sectors. We actually had more public sector responses. And one city planner said, 
well, yeah, we have a fast track, but it's not really that fast. So both sides are on the same page is what I'm trying to say. And we also, from this report, this won't be shocking, but the harder it is to build, the more the less affordable those markets are. So we really just need to, you know, if we build more, eventually prices will come down. And we're actually starting to see some of that now. Yeah, there's nothing like red tape. I mean, it just never, it never, it never gets shorter, even though. Yeah, and we had somebody say uh, one of the longest timelines that we saw just on the survey was in San Diego, and it was eight years, eight years. So yeah. think about another business where you're investing to grow your business, and you have this uncertain time frame ahead of you. Um, I, I can't think of another one where something like that happens. Well, you know, just to kind of veer off into another course, uh, a lot of people are talking about the conversion of some of some of the existing um, office stock to apartments. Is that is that part of your calculus as well? Yeah, I mean, that's it was that's not included in the report, but certainly if we're talking about building more, that seems like a great place to go because there's so many empty office um, buildings out there. It is difficult, and, and I think we've all heard about the challenges of, of converting. It has to be really the right, the right type of um, typically older office buildings, often in a downtown core area, um, for that to happen. But I'm of the mind that every little bit helps. And even if conversions to office space won't add hundreds of thousands of units to to um, to the stock, at least, you know, a, especially in some markets that are really looking for downtown core supply, at least that could certainly help go a long way. And we're starting to see some cities actually offer um, incentives for for developers who are going to do those conversions. I think New York City is one of those, as a matter of fact, that's at least giving it a shot because of, let's face facts, it has the most office stock in, in the country. So Absolutely. it has yeah. the most to gain by that. Yes. So with that, you know, we're talking about basically home ownership as well. Is there somewhat of a dichotomy in the multifamily market with the cost gap between renting and home ownership as high as it is and with increased demand for home offices due to the hybrid work trend, yet absorption and rents are decreasing? Yeah, so rents are decreasing in some markets for for what we just the reason we just talked about, which was which is there's a lot of supply coming on. So so if you have a lot of supply and demand in some of these markets is either flat or decreasing, um, then certainly developers and owners are having to get more aggressive because there's a lot more competition in the market. Um, so. Um, and absorption by some measures is actually increasing, especially this last quarter, but it's nowhere near what it was in 2021. So we definitely saw household formation um, slow down in 2022, and that's sort of steadily growing now, but nothing like the past um, demand um, that we saw, the record-breaking year in 21. Um, but yeah, the, the you mentioned the... Um, the um, work from home and that has absolutely affected what both renters and homeowners want and that is more space. And even if it's not a separate office, uh, renters are looking for just some dedicated, it could be a, a nook um, in, in a room, but something that's really that this is a space where I'm going to work. And the other thing I think the apartment industry has done well in responding to that is 
outside of the unit, just in the common areas in the building, making sure they're well connected. So you get a good connection and a space to work because if you're working remotely 100% of the time, you want to get out of your apartment at some point. And yes. even if that means just going into a common area in the room, maybe they have coffee set up and you're able to just sit down and plop your laptop down and get some work done. But um, yeah, it's still, it's, it's right now it's at probably, I think Marcus and Millichap does a a stat with the average homeowner payment, monthly payment versus the average rent payment. And it's now at the highest it's been. So um, homeowning is $1,300 a month more expensive, okay. um, according to Marcus and Millichap. So in, in that sense, we, we do expect a steady stream of demand for um, apartments going forward, which means we still need more supply. So along along those lines, and uh, again, veering a little off course, let's talk about the single family rental and build to rent market. Are yeah. those homes actually considered part of the multifamily industry as they are congregated homes to rent? And is it helping bring down some of that demand uh, statistic for the, that you've been quoting? Yeah, it's certainly helping to... Um, um, I, helping with options, particularly for the millennial generation that is now, you know, late 30s, um, some of them late 30s, starting families. So you're wanting that extra bedroom and the and the outdoor space, the backyard. I mean, it's 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 that it's been that way for for decades and, and it's still that way. But yeah, that is a sector that's that's pretty strong. We we consider apartments uh, as uh, it's actually similar to what Fannie and Freddie do for, for, for loaning, five units or more. However, in a build-to-rent community, absolutely. If you're building 50 single-family homes, we wouldn't call them an apartment, but we just lump that into rental sure. housing. And okay. we have members who are, yeah, members who are very... Um, who were never used to be in that space, who are in it now, um, and really seeing the benefits of, of just the draw in terms of demand. Terrific. So finally, according to the National Association of Home Builders, about 33% of homes listed for sale are new homes. In comparison, between 2000 and 2019, that number was 12.7%. Yet, it's becoming more difficult and costly to build new housing for a multitude of reasons, including regulations. But this is a big gap. Why is there this dichotomy? Yeah, well, part of that, and that's a, really is a crazy statistics. Um, but one of the reasons, first and foremost, so the, the new homes are taking up a larger share of home sales because existing homes aren't on the market. Um, and they're not on the market because, and, and this is a stat from Redfin that blew my mind away. 62% um, of homeowners right now have a mortgage rate below 4%. Wow. Yeah, um, more than 80% is below 5%. So you're sitting on that mortgage as a homeowner, and unless you have some major life event that forces you to sell, why would you make that trade right now? And mortgage rates are coming down, but they were, I think today they were 6.8%. So there's still, there's the gap right there, is we're not putting our house on the market because we can't, we can't afford the mortgage on whatever else we might have to buy. Um, and, and then in terms of cost, absolutely. Actually, it was NAHB together with NMHC, the National Multifamily Housing Council. They did a report a few years back that found that 40% of development costs were regulations, were caused by regulations and fees. So that's just 
a staggering number. And then you throw in all the all the other all the other um, um, issues we've had for the past few years in terms of costs to build. It's really it's hard to build that so-called starter home because you just can't make a pencil as a as a builder. Um, but we had supply chain issues first, and then we threw inflation into the, into the mix. And um, NAHB just actually also um, uh, analyzed the most recent producer price index. And there's some relief on the horizon. So there, there was a huge increase of 14% in builder costs in 2021, and that was 4.3% in 22, and that's gone down this year to 0.8%. So they're not coming down, but at least they're going up by by a lesser rate. And just just as we close, and and I have just one other statistic. I don't have actual actual statistic, but I understand what, another big issue in the housing industry is that aging boomers simply aren't selling their homes anymore, and so that has also locked up some of the building stock. They're aging in place. Has that had had you looked? Have you seen that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't have a specific stat on it either, but we do know that they are that they are aging in place. And not not only that, you know, people are working longer, they're living longer. So then going back to that, why am I gonna move when it, and in this case, when my house is paid off? Um I, yeah, I don't have any house payments. Why am, why am I gonna move? Um so yeah, that's 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 certainly a big deal. And, and there's there's have been demographers that have been talking about that for decades and, and we're in it now. This is, we are in that time where part of the housing shortage is because people, we don't see the usual churn during a normal market cycle. Well, we've, we've hit the perfect storm. So, well, thank you, Paula. We're grateful for your knowledge and contributions to this year's top 10 issues affecting real estate report. With immigration and natural population growth, the resilient labor market and continued Gen Z household formation, tailwinds for apartment demand prov provide some hope. Over the long term, access to housing and especially affordable housing has huge implications for real estate investors, economic growth, and healthy communities. Join us next time for another discussion of one of the top 10 issues affecting real estate. I'm Jonathan Shine on behalf of the Counselors of Real Estate. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Top 10 in 10.